And welcome to my Primo's podcast. My name is Freddy. And with me tonight, we have a special guest. No, it's not Chikume, El Siete, or El Primo Walter. He is missing in action. I think he was trying to get into Canada. He was in Michigan. And I saw him at a lake. So I don't know. We'll hear from him eventually. But this this uh, episode is going to be me along with special guest. We have with us today, Sebastian. Can I pronounce your last name? Because I'm going to butcher it. <laughs> Kalichik. Kadlicic, thank you so much. Sebastian Kadlicic, yeah. he is here today to talk about his work, his book, his COVID era, like we have been having on the on the show. But Sebastian, I wanted to welcome you to the show. I know it's not the usual uh, trio like we have it, but I'd like to just uh, have you say hi to all the listeners and introduce yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, everybody. Uh, and thank you so much for having me. Uh, sorry, all three of us couldn't be here, but maybe next time. Um, but yeah, man, I'm looking forward to talking to you. Um, I'm I'm an I'm a writer. I'm an artist. I'm a compo creator, uh, occasional actor. Uh, I kind of do a bunch of stuff. Uh, I'm originally from the Bay Area, um, but I moved down to LA almost yeah, like a decade ago. Um, but yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm out here living in LA now. Uh, I'm married. I have a we were just talking. I have a, a one year old son. Um, which is crazy. Never expected that. <laughs> it's a trip, uh, but man. they grow, <laughs> you know. I was told uh, someone told me once the thing with kids is that they grow. It's a trip, dude. What's crazy? I'm, I mean, you know this, but like the first, so they're they're so tiny, and you're like, oh man, like one day they'll like do stuff. But now, like, <laughs> so he's just grown so much over the course of the one year. I'm like, oh man, I like missed when he was like a little newborn. But I'm so excited for right now because. Because he's starting to like walk around, he's he's starting to babble a little bit more, talk a little more, know some words, and and definitely recognizing all the stuff that we're saying and talking. So it's re- it's really funny. He's like giving energy back instead of taking energy all the time. Yeah, man. When they start <clears> walking yeah, man, around, really they fun. start climbing on shit. They start knocking things over. Yeah. They start getting hurt. Man, I'll tell you a quick story yeah. before we get get into it. But my wife one day, my kid was maybe a one year old, maybe maybe, and. We had an apartment that was just by ourselves, and I get a phone call at work. I used to work retail forever ago. I have Verizon, selling cell phones and stuff, you know? And I get a phone call, panic phone call, like, come home, come home, come home. The baby's bleeding. The baby's oh, bleeding. No. And I go, the baby's bleeding? What are oh, you bleeding? The baby's bleeding out of his ear. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, oh, what happened? God. Like, oh, yeah, he's bleeding out of his ear. He fell. Like, you need to come home. So I like, okay, I'm on my way. And so... I like literally told I closed my drawer, give my man, hey, I gotta go. Boom, drop my drawer and I took off. You know, there's no questions at that point. It's wow. a baby, right? I'm rushing, dude, yeah. just freaking yeah. out, freaking out on the phone, like what's going on? My wife's a panic. I can't console her, right? Like she's telling me on the phone that he fell. And that he fell, but then he had blood in his ear. And I go, Is he crying? He goes, Yeah, but he's bleeding. And my kid had long hair at the time. You know, you don't cut your kid's hair usually till whatever. Yeah, we know? haven't cut it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I get home and I'm like in my suit, I'm freaking out, you know, I'm like running in there sweaty, like, well, there was the baby, show me the baby, show me the baby. And the baby did have blood. He cut himself right on his head, oh, okay. but the blood had dripped to his ear, making it seem as blood came out of his ears. And so I was, uh, like, well, okay. I, I breathed a sigh of relief because it wasn't oh my God. fucking hemorrhage, right? But yeah. those are the worst phone calls you get, dude. 
I mean, like those baby, like a baby fell down calls. You're like, oh my god. Yeah. It's like, I'm glad it wasn't worse, but that kind of story, man, sticks with me because I'm like, oh shit, like any little thing could happen. But there's other stuff. Your kid's yeah. a one year old. He's not gonna happen yet, but they do fall <laughs> down. They do fall down. Don't don't pretend they do fall. I promise. Oh my gosh, I mean, I'm scared every time he gets wobbly near something hard, you know, like like near the windowsill or near the the table or whatever. We actually had one scare that was similar to yours. Um, but it was he was younger. It was like mm. two months ago, and he had fallen. We had finally left him. It was before COVID. Yeah. We had left him with um with a relative, and 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 we had finally like gone out to dinner. My wife and I. And uh, I got the call. I was like, hey, I think he's okay, but he fell. Just wanted to let you know. And we were like, okay, we're coming home. Like, we yeah. immediately went home Can't do and took him to, took him to you know, because he had fallen off of something. So we, we took him in and got him checked out. And the doctor, like, he's fine. You know, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty durable or whatever, you know. But, it, but that's, what it, that's my, that was, especially at that time, that was like my fear was like a baby falling. And like you said, with blood, where you thought blood was coming out of the ears, like that, I would have been out of my mind like yeah. yeah man i can't even imagine no but the worst part was going to the emergency room and they have to staple your kid's skull shut because he cut himself <laughs> oh my god yeah he cut himself to where they had to staple him and you know they had to hold him my wife was obviously like distraught <laughs> she was just like don't talk to me i can't yeah. to leave the room you know so i held yeah. him as they staple your kid's head Dude, there's a feeling that goes through your whole body that nobody's going to describe until you go through it where you want that pain. Like, hit me with it. You know, hit me with that staple. Yeah. Hit me with that. Because yeah. there's nothing they can do. They're like, we can't sew yeah. it. Like, we can't. It's like, this is what he's going to have to go through. Thankfully, I yeah. mean, it was, it happened, right? It happened. He's alive. He's running yeah, around. Yeah. He's annoying. He's, he's, okay. yeah. he's fine. <laughs> he, th- he, he thinks he thinks yeah. he can outbox me already at ten years old. So there you go, he's healthy. <laughs> but Primos, uh, if this again, we, we're here week to week, uh, bringing you a show that you can listen to and enjoy on your. Well, I don't know if you can have considered a commute. I mean, nowadays people are mostly <laughs> sticking to the commute between going to answer the phone or the mailbox or outside. But yeah, uh, just look us up all over you know social media at my Primos Podcast and of course all the streaming services, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, just look us up. We're out there. Thanks for the support, guys. We do have a lot of interviews coming up as well. We have a few more. I mean, now that everybody's stuck at home trying to stay safe, we can get them all locked in. So we're hoping to get some more people. And if uh, we get the traffic in, you know, who else can come along? We have some musical guests we're, we're talking to. So hopefully we get them on. That'll be fun. Uh, but tonight we are talking Bash, Sebastian, Sebastian. Um, tell us about you, man. You know, first, like, I want to know about yeah. how you grew up. You said you grew up in the Bay Area. I want to know kind of like yeah, you yeah. growing up in the Bay Area. I grew up in, in, in LA. I'm actually from LA. I grew up in LA. I grew up in what's called now, I think it was the transitions. You know how it goes. It goes, it was LA, yeah. then it was South LA, then it was called Athens. I think now it's called like un, like a unaccompanied or un, something like weird. Like we're trying to detach itself from LA. Like I forget what it's called now. But... <laughs> They're seceding from LA. Yeah, they're just trying to secede <laughs> from LA, but it really is just a, it's South Central. My wife's from Compton. I grew up in LA. Okay. But I want to know about you. How did you grow up? What was yeah. the North North yeah. North Cali like? And kind of go from there. Yeah, man. So I grew up in uh, the Bay Area. I loved it. Um, I, I was I was born there. I was born in, uh, in in Hayward, but I grew up living in uh, San Jose. And uh, my my parents ended up splitting up when I was really young. 
Uh, so I live with my mom in San Jose, and um, my my dad moved to Daly City, and then over to Pacifica, and I had a I had a family kind of all over the Bay Area, San Bruno, friends all over in Hayward and uh, Oakland, and just everywhere, man, like all over the all over the Bay. But I love it. I, I think the vibe is really cool. I mean, I haven't lived there obviously for a while now, but I always love going back. Traffic gets worse every time I go back. But um, especially when I first moved to LA, I loved going back because it was just a, to, to me. Uh, but it also I think has to do with like what why I came to LA. But the the vibe in the Bay was a lot. Maybe it's just how I was used to it too. But it was way more chill for me. Like it was just kind of more. It wasn't quite as fast face or cutthroat or whatever. I mean, it's changing a ton, you know, with the with Silicon Valley and everything. Yeah. It's changed a lot over the last 10 years. But certainly when I was growing up, it just felt like, um, I don't know, I just really I just really dug the vibe. And the Bay Area is like, uh, like in the, I, even in San Francisco, like there's just a lot of different things to experience and a lot of different, like, uh, architecture and, and I don't know. I'm sure I'm I'm biased because I'm from the area, but I just I I, I loved it. You know, well, I mean, um, there were places me, to park. <laughs> it was like it was like a whole different world. You know, like northern NorCal, like the highest the yeah. okay, the northernest most I've been to California is uh, fuck is that uh, Hearst Castle? You know where Hearst yeah, Castle yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the the furthest. Yeah, my wife and I have been there a lot of times. Exactly, been up there. The, you know, school trip. Uh, and we go up there, we went up there, spent the night or whatever, and that's the first I've ever been. But I've never been to, like, San Francisco, North, North Carolina, oh, no? none of that. Yeah. Never been to any of that. And it just felt like yeah. so... You forget how big California is, man. Like, you really forget yeah, no. how big it is. But to go up there, and you hear stuff nowadays, right? I mean, that it's, like, the tech industry is all over the place, you know, yeah. and super expensive to live there. But I'm like, well, shit, LA is expensive yeah. as hell, too. I mean... You can't get around it. That's what it is, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's California. Yeah. You grew up there. Um, what's your home life like? I mean, you have siblings. Is it just you? Yeah. So I, yeah, it's interesting. So I I have um two siblings, but they're not related to each other. So like I've got I grew up with my mom. Uh, she was a single mom for a while, and so I spent a lot of time with you know her mom and her sisters and and um. That, that was, you know, a big part of my growing up. But she remarried. My um, my dad was always in my life, too, so he, he remarried as well. Um, and so I've got a sister from my mom and a brother from my dad. Yeah. Um, so we're my half-brother, half-sister. But, yeah. but it's funny because, like, when I got married, all the, all the families, like, converge, right, which yeah. never happens unless there's a big event like that. A funeral but or a wedding. friends of mine... Oh. Exactly. And, and friends of mine though, like they, cause I've talked about my brother and my sister, but they saw them interact and they were not in, they were just like, hi, they were, they were very, you know, weren't uh, siblings, yeah. you know? Okay. And my friend was like, wow, what's going on? I was like, well, they're not related to it. Like they're, they're, I'm the the linchpin here. Like they don't ever see each other. They didn't grow up together. They're not yeah. related to each other. Like they're cordial. But, um, they, so anyway, say, they say hi. They're cordial. They yeah, yeah. Each other. Nice. Oh, yeah. I know that yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, that's it. So my so uh, as you may have guessed from my last name, so my my dad is white. Um, but he what's interesting is like he remarried uh, another Mexicana. So that all of the siblings are kind of the same yeah. mix. And so when I go over there, too, like they 
actually my stepmom's family was the first one to give me a like a brown pride shirt and a like super vato shirt. Like yeah. so they were they were nice. really cool. Like they were really welcoming and were really you know, so it was cool to have that um, you know, no matter where I was were your in folks my life. From, I mean I grew up with my mom, but were your folks from the Bay Area as everybody's well? from my mom was born in New Mexico, but she uh, lived mainly in well, she lived in New Mexico for a long time, but she was in she'd been in the Bay Area for a while. Well the reason my, I ask is that yeah, I mean, okay. during that time, let's say, like, what is that, like, 70s or so, you know, más o menos, we're looking at yeah. a very, like, and NorCal has a reputation for very liberal, you know, very, like, accepting and open. I mean, like, your dad being white and, you know, marrying, I mean, he he, he had a taste for the Latinas, which is dope, <laughs> Yeah. you know, uh, but. <laughs> I don't know, like, he's got, a, he's got a type. You got a type, but it's all good, man. It's a good, it's a good type. But what I'm getting at <laughs> is. During that time, you know, for them to to be a couple, I'm guessing it wasn't easy. I don't know if they ever shared their struggles or anything with you, having to be a biracial couple and anything like that. Did that? It, did you ever get into that with them at all? I, you know, not really. I mean, I, I've I, not not that aspect of it. I don't think because I mean, th- uh, this is what I'll say. Where where it was talked about was really like families accepting more so than like society at large or whatever. Like just getting ribbed by, you know, uh, particularly, you know, my dad or whatever, being like the gringo or whatever, like getting yeah. kind of ribbed by it. But he loved, like, he made tortillas with my, you know, great-grandma and whatnot. So, like, he like he, he liked it. And obviously it didn't, you know, he didn't Just go running. So, um, yeah. But, um, but in terms of, like, the larger picture of that, they didn't talk about that with me that much. So I, I, I was always aware of it, you know, especially, like, you know, growing up, like, I was aware of it. But, like, how what they experienced in that sense they they i think because they split up so early in my life yeah. you know like that wasn't really a discussion that they had, didn't talk about each other all that much you know but what about like you I man would, i mean like me right i'll give you an example i'm very light skin very fair skin right and people look at me yeah. and they when i talk talking spanish they're like what the fuck like they like they didn't realize that i speak spanish they would consider me passing right that's what they call us right yeah. and sure. you know there's a whole stigma with that and a chip on my shoulder you know, that, that I grew up with when someone telling me like, oh, you don't sound salvadoreño. You don't sound Latino. You don't look it. And I go, really? Yeah. I mean, at this point, I'm short, fat and bald and I talk Spanish. If I can pull it off. Right. But uh, right. imagine being, you know, 10 years old running around and people just kind of look at you weird. They don't even know you speak the language because just because I'm fair skin and I have wavy hair. But you look at my sister, dark skin, dark complexion. You know, they kind of it doesn't didn't work out. And I had a complex of it, you know, because people would put me down yeah. because I didn't look Latino enough or I wasn't, I'm Salvadoreño, so then you had the Mexicanos come at me because, oh, I'm Salvadoreño, <laughs> that's twofer. Soy güero y soy Salvadoreño, so damn, <laughs> I'm looking for trouble. So you got it. I got, I got yeah. trouble, man. What did, did, what about you growing up, man? Did you ever run into any static or anything like that coming up? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, like, because when I was really young, I mean, when you're super young, you don't really think about it, I think. But, like, when, as I started to realize, like, identity and whatnot, I was actually really dark as a kid. I was in the sun all the time, and so I was very, very dark, and I had black hair, and my, I was always with my mom, you know, so I really didn't get, so I didn't really get that when I was younger, but as I started to get a little bit older, and I started to become more aware of that, I started to get maybe a little self-conscious, and then the more Latinos that I ran into, the more, the, the more that I did start to feel that, because I would, I would get, I'm pretty ambiguous, you know, so I get a lot of like, what are you, mm-hmm. where are, where are you, where are your parents from? Like what, like trying to place 
what exactly I was. I would get and, and more that, questions if I was Greek than if I was Latino. Oh, yeah? A lot of Greek. My dad has blue eyes. My dad has blue eyes. Oh, wow. He's a uh, you know, little darker complexion than me, but he has blue eyes, Salvadoreño, you know, all the way. Oh, wow. And people will yeah. go like, oh, are you guys yeah. Greek? Are you guys from, like, are you Italian? A little bit of Italian in you? Yeah. I'm like, no, Salvadoreño, like, that's it. I mean, obviously, you know, colonizer came in and destroyed the world, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I get it. You know, like, you, I had that stigma, at least for me and my sisters. Like, we, we had to play it up as my, my dad and my mom were very, like, talk Spanish, talk Spanish, you're Latino, like, you know, like, very hardcore, like, Salvadoreño, Salvadoreño. And it was hard because I had to tell them, like, I had to pretend to be Mexican sometimes just to kind of fit mm. in, you know, like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, my, my grandpa's Mexican or something like that, where I would kind of be, yeah. be okay to survive in that neighborhood. But as you said, when you get older, you start kind of being more aware and more aware. And then, you know, like you said, you have your pride, you have your your Latino side, you have your white side. I have my Salvadoreño side. I mean, I, hey, I'm Salvadoreño. This is who I am. And that's what it is. You know, it's so much yeah. thing. Yeah. But I asked because I remember being a kid. That that's where yeah. my stigma came in, my chip on my shoulder, because I was picked on from every side, you know. So I didn't really get yeah. to to fit in per se until people really, you know, you grew up with kids, they know who you are. But yeah, I think that's the thing too, right? It's like you end up making your friends, like whether however old you are, like you end up making your friends. They know who you are. They know what you're about, and that ends up kind of being enough. Like even if you run into, you know, Sadek, as you said, from like outsiders or whatever. Which sucks. Like, I'm not going to say it doesn't, you know, and, and definitely when I got into like high school and stuff. And, and like I said, like, if I, you know, if I was out in the sun, I was dark. If I was not for any period of time, luckily I grew up in California, I guess. But like, if, if I were not, yeah, I started to get fairer and fairer. And that's when more questions like, oh, are you, are you Italian? Are you, uh, like you said, are you Greek? Are you Armenian? Are yeah. you Middle Eastern? Like, all, like ever the whole gamut, you know? Yeah. And so, which was, which was, you know, whatever it was, but, but then you do start to like, from, for me, like, then it is like, oh, am I like enough, you know, like, am I enough of anything, you know, like, even though I felt cool, like I was good with who I was, when people start pressing you on stuff, then you start to be like, oh, do I, can I wear this shirt? Like, am I, like, I'm, what, what's going on, you know? But see, like, and did so, you ever get to a point, and I'm sorry to cut you off, I'm cutting you off in place of my no, cousin, because that's what he's known for, by the way. But um, since he's not I'm here, getting the full experience. Getting the full experience here. I haven't said cabron or neta yet, but it'll get there. Um, but what I'm getting to is that at a certain point, don't you feel that, man? Especially nowadays, because us as parents, we're there. You're not. You're there, but not yet. When your kid starts asking those questions, when your kid's yeah. ten years old and goes, "My kid's as fair as I am," you know, and yeah. He's like, well, what do you like? What does that mean? Like, when you have the race talk, when you have the the conversation about that stuff. When I was a kid, man, they just literally was like, "Hey, you're a Salvadoreño, you're Latino. It is what it is. Deal with it." But then the pressure that I realized at a certain age, I swear to you, maybe what is it? Junior high, when you start kind of like finding yeah. that little click, like you know, you have a couple friends and you start kind of finding. Yeah. You start, you don't wear the tight pants anymore. You start loosening them up a little bit, you know. <laughs> you don't yeah. let mom uh, pick up pick up the clothes anymore, you know. They're right around junior high. Uh, that's when you start feeling those real social, the social pressures, and you know. Yeah, for sure. It's a trip, man. You know, when your kid, like, when your kid gets to that age, you have to start wondering, like, man, at ten years old, was I really having the conversation about, you know, Latinx and, you know, shit. I, my kid at ten years old understands. Someone that's gay, 
someone is black, someone is Latino, someone has a different belief in religion, different belief in, in politics at 10 years old. Maybe it's me because I'm fucking not on my mind talking to my kid about that stuff. But could you imagine, man, being, you know, eight or nine years old and then have the pressure of being Latino enough? And are you wearing yeah, the right no. shirt? Like that shit yeah. fucks with you. Yeah, it does for sure. I, I mean, I was I was a little older than ten, but I mean, not much. When I had friends that would make you know that I had, cause I had I had Latino friends, I had white friends, I had, I had all kinds of friends. You know, so if I was with the white friends and you, they made a you know Mexican joke or whatever, it was that uh, oh well, yeah, let it be okay. Let it be like them to me. You know, like oh let it, you know we well if we're not thinking about you that way or if you're oh don't worry you're only this much you know like. That stuff yeah. was 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 pretty whack, but like yeah. that those the point the reason I bring it up is because that's when people start like putting their idea of identity on you, and you have to kind of challenge it or not. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you have to kind of re- reason with yourself of like, no nah, man, I'm proud of like 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 don't talk that shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that that's when you start having to around that age. I think is when you have to start sort of deciding. Like, am I gonna speak up? Am I not gonna speak up? Am I gonna am I gonna pass? Am I not gonna like all that kind of shit? You know. So I think that you know what's so interesting, man. What you said is like because we were talking a little bit before, and and yeah. and my wife is Salvadorina, mm-hmm. but she's way Dude, darker than I am. Dude, you're you're a brave man. You married a Salvadorina. You are a brave man. <laughs> <laughs> tough women. Right? You're, you're a tough woman, right? Oh man, that yeah, man. she's amazing. She's yeah. wonderful. You know, she's super strong and. I love that about her, but what um, with my son, like he's obviously he's still super young, a year old. But like everybody would ask us, like, "Oh, do we, what do you think he's gonna look like? You know, like do you think he'll be, you know, whatever?" I was like, "Well, I'm sure he'll have like thick black hair, like both of us do. You know, he'll probably be somewhere between my wife and I in terms of complexion. You know, blah blah." And he ended up coming out. But when he was born, he was like, he was pretty much that. But, you know, a couple of weeks later, his skin tone started to be like pretty light, actually, yeah. you know? And I was like, oh, he's, he's actually a light skinned boy, yeah. like that, which was unexpected to me because, but, and I didn't, it wasn't even something that crossed my mind really. It's like, oh, he's, he's actually pretty light, you know? And he's technically more Latino DNA than I've got. You know, so, yeah. and, and what, what you're talking about in terms of like, I, I mean, that's not, not all that makes up identity, obviously, but like yeah. the, for me, like being Chicano, I, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm also super proud of his Salvadorian side, you know, like, and his, my wife's family is all here. My family is not here in LA. Yeah. So like mainly what he's getting is all that Salvadorino influence. He's, 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 he's going to be saying Puchica before you. Puchica and, <laughs> and Bichito y Cipote. Y, uh, I bet you how many, how many putas don't you hear running around? You know, like how many? <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, that's her language. Like my wife hates it in the beginning. She was like, and she attributes it to a lot of things. She's like, man, like I had bigotry like for Salvadoreños. Like I had that like mentality that I didn't like Salvadoreños and I never met him. Never met one, never associated with any, but it was just the fact that during that time, you know, the late, I would say late 80s, early 90s, that was still, we'd write that heat of like people still coming from El Salvador, in LA especially, you know, you had the LA Mexican gangs and Latino, MS-13, you know, so we're known for pupusas and MS-13, right? And cebadas. (laughs) But, but, 
what I'm getting to is that when you start peeling back the layers and she said that, you know, you know, we're big believers in faith. And she said that, you know, God put her in a place and it's true. And I used to work at Yoshinoya. All right. You guys don't know Yoshinoya oh, yeah. is the beef bowl. Back in the day, I used to work at Yoshinoya and I worked at Huntington Park. I don't know how, where in LA okay. are you at? I'm actually, well, I'm in Sherman Oaks right now. I've lived all over LA. I'm in Sherman Oaks right now, uh, but my wife is from Koreatown. Oh, so. okay. So not that bad. Yeah. So I worked at Yoshinoya in Huntington Park and then I worked at Yoshinoya in Englewood. And then I worked at Yoshinoya in Hawthorne. Mm -hmm. So I worked all over those Yoshinoyas, right? And what's crazy about it is that my wife got a job there, started working. Every single person at the Yoshinoya was Salvadorian. Every single person at the oh, restaurant. Wow. And so she had to work with Salvadorian people, know them, work with them, get to know them. And she's like, damn, like that experience. And she ended up marrying me. There you go. Right? We fell in love at, <laughs> over, the, over the chicken bowls. But she was like, if I hadn't been put in that situation where I had to interact and learn about the Salvadorian side of things, she goes, the Salvadorian people are just like us. They're hardworking. They wanted the best for their families and they're nice people. It's just the stigmas that were stuck on you because of where you came from. They were, you know, darker complexion or the way they spoke, the puchica and boss and all that. Like, it's just the, yeah. the colloquialisms, right? That, and what's so crazy, yeah. it's what makes it beautiful is how it's, you are not just, that's why I like the term Latinx. Not just for the gender identification, but the fact that it is Latinx. It's like a whole like kaleidoscope of, of Latino. Yeah. You know, it's not just one thing. You know, even within one country itself in Mexico, there's so many yeah. different cultures, so many different languages and foods and dialects that are beautiful about it. And that's why I love the fact that you're you're Mexicano with a Salvadoreña, I'm with Salvador, I'm me, my wife's Mexican. It's a mix, and we're just, it's no longer going to be a, a hatred. You know, we're going to love each other, man. That's the good thing yeah. about it. Yeah, for sure. No, I agree. I actually, you know, it's so funny you say that, cause I, and it goes both ways, right? Like, because I've definitely seen that in the Salvadorian oh, yeah. community as well, like oh, yeah. the, the hate for Mexicans. So. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but what's interesting is, like, I don't think, coming from the Bay Area, and uh, unless I didn't know, you know, but I don't think that I had ever met a Salvadoreño. Like I knew some of the Mexicans, some of the, you know, Puerto Rican, Cuban, whatever, but like I wasn't like into LA really that I was like oh, yeah. really uh LA is like to a lot. El pulguero, homie, like it's <laughs> Salvadoreños, like especially Koreatown, all that, like down there, like passing like down Vermont and like passing downtown, that's Koreatown, all that. Like that's that's yeah. a lot of Salvadoreño down there. And I but I feel like I feel like Latinos know that. But I feel like like other people I talked to were like, Man, there's just so many Mexicans down here. Like it like it's all lumped under Mexican. Yeah. So like for like white people. Like they're just like, Oh yeah, no, there's just a ton of Mexicans and like, no, that's not all that's down here. You know, that's there's tons of different types of Latinos that just it's, like the whole Latinx community down here is very diverse. It's it's very diverse. That's what I talked about earlier. I love that I love that like fruit salad that my primo said at one point is the United States, right? It's so it's so mixed and fruit and beautiful and colors and everything. I'm there with it, man. I'm excited for that, that we're getting more aware that people are not being quiet, like you said, right? That there are people yeah. that are younger and younger. Like you said, maybe at 11 years old, 12 years old, we wouldn't have said anything because we'd be too scared of getting beat up or ostracized, whatever. Dude, there are plenty of fucking woke-ass kids right now that are out there. That for sure. They're, they're saying it. They're doing it. More power to them. So I'm happy that we're building that world for them. You know, and we talk about identity, and I want to talk about your work. 
you know we we, we got you on the show yeah. because you were and i and i love talking about you know growing up and where we're at because it kind of tells a story behind the creator you know it tells about where you get your influence from why you're doing what you're doing and yeah. so i know you've worked on a lot of things but one of the books that really stuck out to us that we got a copy of to read and i really appreciate your publishers um giving us a copy of the book but it's uh, the book quince so yeah. you know if uh, you don't know what quince is i want you sebastian you know as a creator of this uh, character, yeah. this idea, just kind of give us a, a brief understanding of someone that doesn't know Quince and Lupe and what the story is about. Yeah, great. So Quince is a story of this uh, young girl, Lupe, who gets superpowers at her quinceanera. Um, but she only has those powers for one year, so only while she's 15. And over the course of that year, she has to figure out how to use her powers and what she wants to use them for through the help of her or with the help of her abuela. And uh, by the end of it, hopefully she figures out what it really means to be a hero. I love it because I'll tell you this much, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a rare breed. First, let me tell you that okay. I'm a, before I get into myself, because I'm, I'm a little self-absorbed today since I'm two people, remember? I'm Walter and I'm, I'm Fred. Right. Uh, but I love the book, hands down. I thought Thank it you. was a great story. You embodied a great character that was Latina, that was brown, that was, you know, very shapely. That was not a Barbie doll. That was something that a Latina girl can read and go, wow, that's a superhero that I can relate to. You know, I really appreciate that. Yeah. The relationships between all the parents and, you know, everything there. I know we'll talk about here in a second regarding the writing, but I love the relationships. I love how modernized it was. It wasn't, you know, a traditional story, even but, but even in the artwork and the dialogue. So I really recommend the book, guys. You know, please, you know, search out Quince. I believe... Uh, I'm going to make sure that we put links in our, our post and all over social media Thank on you. our end to make sure that you guys look for Quince and Sebastian's work as well. We'll talk about more of his work here in a second. But let's touch on Quince for a second. I'm a rare breed because I am a quinceañero, all right? My oh, mom, okay. yeah, I'm a quinceañero. My uh -huh. mom, I'm the only boy. My mom loves me to death. She loves me. She loves me. I love you, mama. My mom, <laughs> all right. My sisters, my older sister, hey, man, quinceañera. My younger sister, quinceañera. I had a quinceañero. I was a quinceañero. I had the pink bow tie. Wow. And I went to church. I had a dama that accompanied me. Like, I'm talking like, we didn't have the whole court. You know, the whole chambelanes and all that. Okay. But I had, I went to mass. I went to the whole thing. Like, I had a party. I was a quinceañero. So, That's it was awesome. a coming out party for me. You know, and the quinceañera is, is what it is for, for mostly for girls. But, yeah. I think I was ahead of my time. You know, for the quinceañero, you know. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah, definitely. But I know that that's kind of getting more popular. But I think for yeah, that's that's awesome. Man. It, it it's getting more popular. I think that I was reading something online where I was looking it up just out of curiosity, and you're seeing them more and more because it's that you know what? Well, why why can't we have a party for a 15 year old boy? What's what's yeah. wrong with that? Why? And I get it. It's a, a mostly a tradition based around the female being the old school. You know, quote unquote here, because we're not we're not on video, guys. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, for a traditional, you know, girl to woman that transition into all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And we've you know it right. become now a, a much more modernized thing, and uh, it is what it is. I appreciate the story. I love it because it's a moment of change, not only within the Latino culture that is seeing Lupe the character uh, become a woman. But also at that point, yeah. not only is she taking on that mantle of I'm a woman, let's say, and honestly, nowadays yeah. we know that a party is not going to dignify anything, right? A party is not going right. to tell a woman she's a woman. It's a party. 
But point is, she's taking on the mantle of this superhero, and we we learn, we grow. So what, why, how, and who is this story? How did this story, this this thing just just happen? Like, how did it just, what was the the moment where you said, oh, shit, I got a great idea? Like, what happened? Yeah. Great. So, um, (laughs) thank you. Um, I had been, so I've been working on a different project for a while and it was about to wrap up. So I was trying to kind of figure out what was going to be the next thing. And I wanted to do a story uh, or a project rather that, that focused on, um, my heritage that focused on my family and our culture and that showed it in a positive light because that was just really, this was before, you know, everything that's going on right now in the world, but it was just really important to me to show positive representation. So, but I didn't know exactly what the story was going to be. So around that same time, uh, my, my wife and I, actually before we were married, uh, we had gone to several family quinceañeras and, and as I sat through each one of them, it just, I just really, <laughs> I just really started thinking about like that moment, you know, like being 15 years old. And I mean, for me, you obviously had a different experience, but like for me, I wanted to disappear when I was 15. Like I wanted nobody looking at a really rough prior year, and I was like at 15, I wanted to just disappear. But obviously, I can say so much about all eyes on you, right? Like that's your night. And so I just started thinking like, wow, what if what, this girl must just be experiencing every single emotion right now, you know, with you've got your family, you've got your friends, you've got people you don't even know, like everybody's watching you. And what if on top of all of that, this was the moment when she unexpectedly got superpowers. How amazing, but also how horrible would that be to unexpectedly get that in that moment? You know, and so, and, and as you said, I can say it's such a specifically cultural event. It's about, um, you know, transition. It's about coming of age. A lot of the best, like, coming of, uh, best superhero stories are about coming of age. And it also honestly reminded me of superhero stories that I grew up with like X-Men or whatever, where they're like, in moments of heightened emotion, that's when their powers manifest. And I was like, well, there's no more heightened moment than this right now. Like, what if this was the moment? And so that it started there, and, and again, it kind of hit everything I wanted to do. It was rooted in culture, et cetera. And then a couple weeks later, maybe, I was watching my nieces running around the living room dressed as superheroes. And I'm like, this is awesome. I love comics. I love superheroes. We can bond over this, you know? Yeah. Um, but I was like, okay, here's these two young Latinas running around the living room dressed as Supergirl and Batgirl. That's awesome. Superheroes are universal. I do believe that. But my next thought was, but man, wouldn't it be awesome if they had a character that they could see themselves in? If they had a character that represented them, both in a mask and out of one, so that when the mask comes off and that character goes home, that that home life is something that they recognize. And that they can see that see themselves through that character and see that they also are superheroes. And it really put a spotlight for me on the fact that there's like such limited representation for Latinx, like for Latinos across the board, but also specifically for Latinas in in superhero genre, in the superhero genre. So it was that was the moment you were talking about. Like, what was the moment where you felt like I gotta do this? That actually was the moment where I felt like, okay, this just went from being like a cool idea to this is something I've got to do and put out into the world. Yeah, Yeah. I felt compelled at that point. That's a beautiful story because. It's genuine, right? Like it's so organic. It's organic. Yeah, yeah like, the way it came about was such an organic thing. You know? It's organic, and that's what you know. We talk about here, where everybody goes. We talk to like a lot of you know uh, creators that tell us, you know, I do what I do because it feels right. 
I do what I do for me. And at that moment, though, I can see that that spark, because you were probably working on something else. I'm guessing, you know, we were doing other yeah. projects, you said. But that one hits you in a different way where you're like, I'm getting a little bit of, you know, like, uh, chinito might look my skin a little bit. Because I'm like, <laughs> that moment that hits you where you know you can impact those kids, you know? Yeah. And you remember being a kid, like you said, watching the X-Men, watching whatever on TV. You know, my hero was Zach Morris, dude. You know, I didn't have a Latino on TV. You know, <laughs> time <I> mean? out. <laughs> yeah, time out. <laughs> Me and the Zach attack right here are going to have a record deal. You know, but it was just... Friends a, forever. Hey, friends forever, man, all the way. But <laughs> when you think about it that way, like I think about it now with my son, and I'm glad that people like you, Hector, Javier, you know, all these great people that we know and have relationships with are creating characters that my son can look at and go, oh, he's Latino? Yeah, like, oh, wow, what is that? Like... Not only did, you know, what's happening here in the last, what do you say, four years or so, you know, I would say yeah. four or five years, there's been a boom with Latino creators really coming out more and more, not only in comic books, talking about animation, being on the screen as well, acting, yeah. writing, you know, and then touching on that, you know, there, a man creating a female character is not a new thing. Okay. I'm a writer. Yeah. I make female characters all the time. But as time has moved on and time has here we're 2020 now, we're looking at a point where things like last year we had situations where people are saying, well, who are you to write this book? You know, being a male. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why I know you have a writer that came on. It's a female writer. Can you talk about your team? Because not only did you come up with the concept and the idea, you know, I want to talk about your team and their work and their writing because. Man, it's great. It's a lot of heart in this in this in this work, you know. And yeah. I would love to give credit to to your team, to the writers and artists, as one of their sisters. But I want you to kind of brag a little bit and uh, give them their Absolutely. spotlight because I think they deserve it. You know, they put in really good work. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Absolutely. I love bragging about them. So thanks for the opportunity. Um. So uh, yeah, it's interesting because I had originally when I came up with the idea, I was like, oh, well, I'm a writer, I'm an artist, I do kind of everything, like, uh, I'll, I'll do the whole thing by myself, right, and, which is a pretty laborious task, but it, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, and then I was like, no, you know, you know what, for this specific project, like, it deals so much with a, the specific experience of a teenage girl, and I thought it was important to have, a, you know, a, a woman's perspective on that. Um, I knew that culturally I was good. I got it. But like, that's something I haven't been as a teenage girl. Right. So I, at one point I thought about working with my, my wife on it, you know, cause she, she's got her quinceanera video, her pictures. Like we were, we talked a lot about it, Yeah. but she's not a creative person. So I, I was like, that's going to put more strain on our relationship than is necessary. Yeah, man. Um, just try putting a, hey, so try just, putting together some furniture with your spouse that that's an example i usually of do that patient. alone for sure. <laughs> exactly <laughs> um so yeah we just you know we talked but so it started there and then i was like okay yeah i, I should this isn't also a good opportunity for me like if i'm talking about empowering women like this is a good opportunity for me to say hey you know here let me reach out to a woman and, and give her the opportunity um to shine you know and again with a project like this that is so personal i think it's always about making the project the best it can be and for me that was through reaching out to these incredibly talented people so um kit steinkellner writer emma steinkellner artist uh they're sisters and i had known kit 
for a while. We actually were we actually had done like this like underground theater, artsy underground theater together in LA. Nice. And so I knew her as a writer. I was a huge fan of her work. I we had already collaborated together on other stuff, like theater stuff. And actually she had written a short comic that I illustrated just for the theater company. And then I had done like fill in work on just a couple times on because uh, Kid and Emma had a webcomic that they had done that was set in a high school, had a very diverse cast. Uh, it was very different. It wasn't a superhero thing or anything. But, like, they, they, I had filled in when Emma had, like, she was still in school. So when she had finals or something, they were like, I did some artwork for that. Emma did some artwork for a previous book that I had done. So we all kind of knew each other a bit. Um, Kit, I certainly had the strongest, like, relationship. And like I said, I was just such a fan of her work of her writing, of her style, of her voice, also of her as a human. And I knew that they could work well together because they had already worked together. They loved each other. And I and I got along really well with Emma and her style was perfect. And like for me, it was it was like a lightning bolt hit me when I thought of them. Because I was like like I said, I was originally I was like, oh maybe I'll, you know, do it myself, maybe I'll do it with my wife, maybe blah blah blah. And I was kind of like, yeah, I'll just be open. I'll just be open to, like, the right person will come along, right? They'll, they'll show up. And I, I, I remember the moment, you know, like sitting at my desk, and I remember the moment when they popped into my head almost simultaneously. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the team. Like, this is the team. Like, this, because I had a vision, right, for, like, what I wanted the tone to be, what I wanted it to look like and sound like. I was like, this is the team. And I immediately ran over to my computer, typed up an email, told them, like, what I wanted to do, why, what inspired me, like what, I, what the thing was about, you know, like all that stuff, pitched it to them, right, and, and sent off that email and like prayed, like please let them say yes, you know, and right away from the beginning they were on board, they were like, that sounds awesome, we would love to, to help out, you know, and, and, and they brought so much to it, like, I, like I've said before, if it's about the project, like I have no doubt that they elevated that project and got it to what it needed to be. Like it's only through the three of us working on that that King City comes the full realizes its full potential, you know? No, so, and I love them. They were so great to work with. They they put together a great book with all three of you, right? And that was my biggest concern too because nowadays I let my wife read it and Walter had his uh, partner read it as well. And nowadays, man, all you do cuz this is the fucking in the 2020s, man. Quick Google search, you find out who does anything. You know what I mean? And so immediately yeah. we get into like, oh, and it sucks, but it's a reality, right? Because it's 2020 nowadays and you're like, hold on, this is written by a white woman? Like, what was mm -hmm. that about? How much story? Because I guess I don't know the difference. Mm -hmm. I create something, but someone else writes it. So if I'm creating mm -hmm. the story, how much input do you have on the on the story? Is it really you turn over because you trust Kit and her sister enough to go, hey, you guys run with it? And do you come in as the bouncing, like the soundboard when it comes to anything Latino, anything? Because, I mean, yes, it's one thing to be a 15-year-old girl, but it's one thing to be a 15-year-old Latina. There's a difference there. Mm -hmm. We can all acknowledge, right? I mean, sure. how do you respond to that question that is it a time thing in 2014, 2016? Is it a, hey, you know what? I trust these writers. Or what? Because nowadays, me and Walter like to say, there's no excuse. There's plenty of Latina writers out there that are willing to put in the work that can have a perspective. How do you respond to sure. having, you know, a writer and not to diminish her work? Because her work is fucking amazing. I love the book. How would you, how would you answer back to someone saying, why do you have a white writer 
And how do you respond to her being the one that moves the story for Lupe? Yeah, no, great. Um, yeah, it's interesting. We had a, the there was maybe one other time that this came up that I that I at least in person, you know, and um, it was at a like it was this book club, and it was primarily women that were at this book club. But we were we were there for the like talk back, you know, like they had read Quince and they wanted to talk to the, the people that made it. And um, this woman had brought her husband. They were both, you know, she was Latina, he was Latino. And she had brought him to this uh, talk back. And he ended up telling me at one point, he was like, he raised his hand, you know, he's like, hey, man, like, my wife read this book. She loved it. And she was trying to get me to read it. But I saw the names and I was like, nah, not, I'm not going to read it. And he was like, but she kept telling me, no, no, look, it's a great book. Like, there's good representation. It shows us, like, it shows us well. Like, it's really good. You need to read it. And she stayed on and stayed on, and eventually he read it, and he was like, you know what, I loved it. And he's like, but now that I've heard you talk, and you've talked about your mom, and you've talked about your family, and you've talked about how you grew up, and you've talked, he's like, now I get it. He's like, but I, I didn't, and I told him then, I was like, dude, that's fair. You know, that's fair. And I appreciate that you took the time to read the book. You know, you know, thanks for the feedback, whatever. He was real cool. And we actually ended up talking a lot after that whole thing. And, and, and uh, it, was, it was awesome. But I think my response would be, like, you were asking, like, um, involvement or whatever. So, as I said, originally I had done it sort of as a, I had done a Bible for, like, a TV show, right? So I had all this stuff that I call, like, the foundational material. I had the characters. I had the relationships. I had, you know, what was going to happen, et cetera, all these ideas for a story. When I was going to turn it into a comic book, originally, like I said, I was going to do it on my own. So I had done pretty much an outline. I had done like a lot of stuff that was character building and world building and like the mythology of it all. And I presented a lot, all that stuff to them, um, particularly to Kit because she was going to be writing, you know. So yeah. I, I had all this like foundational stuff, right? And it wasn't a, a thing of, okay, now there you go, go have fun. Like that, that wasn't the, the situation at all. It was. I, I absolutely valued her bringing in her talent, Emma bringing in her talent, but they, and they were awesome that they totally respected that, like, I had a, a vision, you know, and Emma said this in interviews before too, like, it was really about executing that vision, and, and I was pretty clear in the beginning, like, why I want to do it, what I want to do, blah, blah, and so the way that it started, like, even for the first issue, Kit was like, oh, that was really easy to write because you said, like, all the scenes that you wanted, everything you wanted to happen in the scenes, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and that was actually the moment where I was like, look, I appreciate your talent as a writer. Like, do you, I want you to feel valued and respected. Like, would, do you want more freedom or do you want me to keep, like, plotting stuff out? And, and, and she was like, well, honestly, I'd rather have a little bit more freedom. What if, and so what we did was she took all that foundational material of mine, we got together, plotted out the, like, larger beats of the story, talked through it all. I had a running, like, Google Doc of, like, notes and comments and blah, blah, blah. And so then she was like, what if I just take all that? I take your original stuff. I take all the notes from our meetings. I take everything that's in that Google Doc. And I take a first pass at that script. And then I'll send it to you, any notes, any comments, any re like, anything you want changed or, you know, addressed or whatever. I'll do that. I'll rewrite it. When we're both happy with it, we'll send it over to Emma. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds like a great way to work. And so that was kind of how I worked. And we were constantly in, like, communication and dialogue. And so if she did have stuff that she's like, I'm going to lean on you for the cultural stuff, 
I was like, I'm here. Like, let's just keep talking. You know, like, this is what, and they were trying to like, oh, you know what? I will say this. Oh, this is what you, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it was, it was, you know, kid doing the heavy lifting of like, all, you know, getting us through that. But it was definitely a thing where we were constantly, you know, in dialogue. I no, say. no. And, and I appreciate that explanation. And you're right that like that person that read the book, I, I show my wife the book. She reads it. She's like, wow, I love it. It's great. Walter's partner, same thing. She's like, oh, wow, this is awesome. I love this, this character. This is great. There's a lot of heart. You know, it's modernized. It's it's not the typical stuff you, you, you're used to reading, you know, especially in a comic book, right? Yeah. Or a graphic novel, what have you. But then it came across that, oh, the names. And you're like, where's the Latino name? But then we go back yeah. all the way to the beginning of the conversation, right? It's like, yeah. just because my last name doesn't end in a Z or have a acento in it, you know, doesn't yeah. make me less Latino. Look, that was something that uh, that was something for me. This is actually a thing for me because, like, I there were times in my life, particularly when I came out to LA, um, where I was like, oh, maybe I should take my mom's maiden name. Maybe I should take my grandma. You know, like maybe I should should do that because that represents more who I am, more what my identity is. Sure. Uh, but everybody went after Carlos Mencia for changing his name to Carlos. So I was like, well, I'm definitely going to come out. Like, no matter what I do. I'm going to end up getting some shit, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, ultimately, I'm me. No, like, no matter what my last name is, I'm me, you know? And, uh, I mean, if, if, if Frida Kahlo or Salma Hayek or Jimmy Smith or, Bre you know, like, uh, if that name is not enough for you, there's not much I can do about that at this point. But I do have something in me that's like – I. That is a thing for me, and I wish that I there, – there's a part of me, and I couldn't change just for this book because I'd already done all this other stuff. So then if I was like, oh, I need to use my, my – and, Then and you're pandering. In my letter, then I'm pandering, then right? Pandering, so yeah. then it's like, oh, you did that just for this book. And it, and in the in the hardcover, in the notes, or in my – like I write a letter to the yeah. reader in my in the hardcover, and in parentheses I put Diego Martinez, like, like hey, I've, yeah. here I am, you know, but – but I remember being young and seeing Desperado with, from Robert Rodriguez. And I remember yeah. seeing his name up there and it meant something to me, you know, like seeing that movie, like I, it's, it almost seems silly to talk so passionately about that movie. But for me, it was, it meant a lot because at that age there were not, there was not a, there was not like you know, representation and B I loved action movies. Like I loved those types of movies. And you like I'd watch Jean-Claude Van Damme and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone, but to see that movie, I was like, this like it was a revelation for me, you know. I was so excited. No, I don't know if everybody got like why I was so excited about that movie. And part of it was honestly seeing all those names, but that's not something I you know like that I I'm you know I'm sorry, but like that's not something that I'm and I am so, like I not sorry, but like I I do wish I could give that to inspire others because my last name, like I have no, I no like connection to like, because it's, you know, a check class name or like, I have no connection to that, but like, I wish I could inspire a young Latino kid by having a Spanish surname, but it is what it is. But here's what I give you credit for though, man. I thank you so much for sharing that. Cause I know it's not, and you have every fucking right to have an issue with it because let's use Keynes as an example because I do still want to touch on your other work because I, I fucking am so curious, right? Talking about action movies and kind of see where I'm going to go <laughs> with it, right? But yeah. to, to kind of bookend here with Keynes and, and kind of put that to bed 
you know it's like listen at this point like you said you identify latino you're latino man you got your family you got your things you're going on you have the culture you know what's going on the politic of the world is what it is right when it comes to creating something right you said you put your name on Mm -hmm. something and people are looking at it going hmm but at least you're able now here we are five six years later four years later pardon where you can tell your story and go hey man we can have that dialogue you know you can have a dialogue where i can tell you my story give you the details and to give a hundred percent i give a a shitload of credit to 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 kit and emma and under work because it's not easy to take on that responsibility because it is a responsibility man like you know for sure or not you trusted them because of her talent uh them because of you know they're both women of course and you knew that they were going to tell that story. And they respected you enough to really give the, the, the genuine, you know, light on it, you know, and took your yeah. story because, and that's why I asked that question, the created by, written by, you know, and I, I think maybe at some point you're, you know, you should start when the next printing comes up, should have a little more of a, of, a, of a weight on, you know, written by, but, you know, with all due respect to everybody, because if you have the outline, you have everything there, you know, you've put the pieces where they need to. And all credit to Kit to putting it together, spinning it around, doing what she has to do. Great story. Amazing story. I love Lupe as a character. I think it's very much needed nowadays, too, because I do want to make sure you guys understand this book is out there for you to pick up and and buy today. Uh, This is from uh, at the press release here from Fanbase Press. It's a publisher for the book. They have the definitive bilingual edition available right now. So 344 pages. This is the whole story in English and in Spanish, right? And it has... uh, Everything you need. This is a, a gorgeous book. It's I mean, you, you can literally just hold it, put it on a shelf. It's gorgeous. You can display it. Um, it's beautiful. The artwork is great. It shines. It pops. So I really recommend you guys look for the book itself. The Keen said the Definitive Bilingual Edition. Uh, you can look for it. Honestly, it's on Amazon. I've seen it all over the web. And it has some forwards from, you know, from great creators out there, from Gloria Calderon, which is a producer of One Day at a Time. We also have Frederick Luis Aldama. Professor Latinx, you know, he's doing his thing mm-hmm. as well. And uh, he, he has a nice forward in the book as well. I mean, everybody gave you a lot of praise, you know, regarding the book. And Javier, Javier, hashtag El Muerto Lives. Uh, you know, he's, uh, <laughs> he, he also vouched, you know, he's a man. Sebastian's a cool dude. He's got a great idea. Oh, good, that's cool. You know, we got a talent. And so, you know, we really wanted to you know, highlight you and your work, not only for Quince, but of course for more work that you're doing as well. But it sucks that as a Latino, I've been pressured as well to write things in Spanish. They're like, mm-hmm. why, why translate that word? You know, why translate that word? Just leave it in Spanish. Yeah. And I go, well, what if the reader doesn't know what that means? You know, why can't I yeah. just translate it? Or maybe, maybe like on the end, you know how it is. You kind of, put a little yeah. asterisk and you, you translate the word or what have you, you know, but, mm-hmm. and I've been pressured to saying, why, what, what, why do you care about that audience member? And I go, because at the end of the day, this is a business. You want to write something, people mm-hmm. to buy it. But thankfully you've written something and created something. So I'll give you the credit for also having a hand, not just, I created that. I came up with the idea. No, you, you had a hand in the creation of this universe, this character, your heart is in it. You know, it's genuine. It came from a very good place. What sucks is the reality that people nowadays are looking at a reason to poke at something when it doesn't even need to. But we have a place, yeah. we have a space where we can talk about it. 
and you can really show yourself yeah. and talk about what you are and what you've done and your story. So I really give you and Kit and Emma tons of credit. Love the book. Thank you. Really, really love it. Please check out the book. I mean, it really mean a lot that you guys check out this book. It really does put a very, very positive light on Latina, uh, you know, character. Again, it's Keen said the definitive bilingual edition. Uh, you know, of course, you can find it uh, through uh, Amazon on their website as well, Fanbase Press. Uh, Comicsology has a version as well. I saw. So please look at, yeah. look for it. Look for it. But there is something else. Can I, can I before we move on? Before we move on, can I can I say one more thing about that? Of course, please. Just because I I I think when you are, and I know we're we're mapping Kinsa, but like I speaking to what you were talking about, like I think when you are collaborating on something, at least for me. Like I had only done one other project before. And so for me, collaboration is so much about really trusting and respecting the people that you're working with. And that was what Kinsa was for me. Like I, as I mentioned, I had that relationship and blah, blah. And I feel like Kinsa only works because all of us brought our identities together like some sort of Voltron and like made it the best that it could be. And I do have so much respect and so much love for everything that Kit brought to it that made it better, everything that Emma brought to it that made it better than it would have been if I did it on my own. Like, and to have no, it is a lot of responsibility on their parts to step into that. And they've said, you know, before, like, I wouldn't have walked into this world if I hadn't been invited. And, and Emma, you talked about, you know, um, sort of Lupe's body type. And I really put a lot of credit or give a lot of credit to Emma of like, really there was there was no chance of me accidentally even doing like some sort of male gazy thing in here yeah, like yeah. Emma came in and she just and they're both feminists and they both were just like I was like I wanted to look just like you know nothing special about it like she's she's just an average person like the rest of us trying yeah. to survive high school and and she went with that and she made her and so now it's a body positive book as well like so there's just I, I just want I, every chance that I can. I would like to praise Kid and Emma for the amazing work that they did. Also, I want to say thanks to Fanbase Press for like putting this book out there. You know, like there's yeah, so many definitely. people that end up being involved to make something get out into the world. So anyway, I I I, I just wanted to put that last book out on there. No man, you're fine. I mean, I think that the more we could talk about things like this is great. You know, the reason the reason you get praise for the book and I, I wanted to talk to you because there was that question that lingering question and it sucks but it's a reality right it's, it's like, valid. like it's, yeah. it's a valid question you go hey man you put your name on something but the world is so big you know and there's nothing wrong with your last name there's nothing wrong with your father's heritage nothing wrong with that it's just the fact that this is your last name you know and nowadays the world is mixing the world is changing you know and Look at your son growing up. Your son, you say yourself, he's going to be more Latino, genetically speaking, than you are, but his last name is going to sound different. It's going to be like, what the hell's going on? You know? And yeah. I hope that we get to that point where the names don't matter, you know? Um, yeah. And honestly, your book is great. The work that you three did was amazing. And Fanbase Press, of course, it really praised to them as well for really putting it out there, really, you know, standing behind it. You know, they put a lot of love behind yeah. them, marketing it and really talking about it. So I'm glad that. Really be able cool. to do that but also i want to talk about some other work you're working on because i'm you know I'm a, I'm a big geek when it comes to action flicks and action movies yeah. and and weird stuff and fun stuff because hey that's what it's all about right if we don't have a medium right. like comic books and film how can we get crazy shit done you know so talk to right. me about 
Yes. Penguins versus possums. Is that is that it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it. I, penguins versus possums. Yeah. I am curious because when I saw the artwork for this cover, and I haven't read it, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna. Okay. I'm. I'm. I want. Thanks for being straight with me. I'm being honest, man. <laughs> but I'm excited because I. This is my shit. Like I like obscure, oh. interesting stories. If it's a, a something I've never thought of, like wow, I never thought that would be something to think about how the hell do you have two of the most peaceful looking things in the world or their most skittish things in the yeah. world literally the possum pretends to be dead the penguin for all i know swims away on, on his belly i don't know waddles, yeah. waddles away <laughs> but here you have yeah. them in this like the artwork guys give us google this because it's like this like it's a it's a movie poster it's like a commando movie poster you know what i mean it's like it's exciting <laughs> to see like, what is this what is penguins versus possums uh, well, Commando is one of the best ones of all time, by the way. But, um, yeah, Penguins versus Possums, something completely different from James. <laughs> um, yeah, Penguins versus Possums is a story of penguins and possums that have been fighting each other since the very beginning of time, but it's all been hidden in the shadows and kept secret until now because their war has gotten so big, it's starting to spill over. Humans are beginning to take notice, and it's all leading to the Battle of Armageddon, which will actually be fought between penguins and possums with every human on the planet having to choose a side. Oh my gosh. So please and don't give me a lot, but give me like give me bullet points. Give me like the like all right, what can I look forward to reading this book? Okay. Okay. Um everything. <laughs> You're life changing. Um you life changing. No, it's we've been we've been compared to like early teenage mutant ninja turtles, but we've also been compared to Game of Thrones. Oh. Been uh, compared to like if Quentin Tarantino and Walt Disney had a baby, like it, it's it's a it's a very silly idea that we took very seriously. So we really wanted to tell an awesome story, and it's uh, ended up doing an eight issue series, but they're like really big issues. So like the issues range from most of them are probably around twenty eight pages, but the last issue I think is like forty pages Ooh. or something. So there's a lot of of story there. It's two volumes. Um, but yeah, the, the penguins are very technology based, so they've got like computers and more advanced weaponry and jetpacks. And then the possums are very like uh, earthy. They've got spears and knives and stabbing weapons, and um, they're they're very sort of resourceful. And they're both battling for dominion over the earth. But like the the cool thing is, there's so many shades of gray on both sides. So. We've had people that read through the whole story. They're like, man, in the beginning, I wanted these guys to win. Then I wanted these guys to win. Then I wanted these guys to win again. That's awesome. Um, but, yeah, it's really fun. It's also very funny. I mean, you can't not make it funny if it's about penguins and possums. So there's a lot of humor in it, uh, a lot of silliness, and um, but also a lot of, like, <laughs> a really emotional storytelling. There's depth. And it's mainly, it, it's, yeah, a lot of depth. And it's mainly um, penguins and possums, but there are, Two human characters, one main human character, and if this is an extra selling point, she's Latina. So, oh, there you, there you go, Latina, in the midst of the possum versus penguins war. I'm excited because yeah. I love the artwork and whatever I did scan through online because you know I just kind of like, oh that looks interesting. Like I dig the art, Thank I you. dig that, and I dig the grittiness of it. You know, it does it does play well oh, to the yeah. to the idea of like, and it reminds me of those fucking movies, man. It reminds me of like Commando. It reminds me of Predator. It reminds me of those kind of like those that vibe, yeah. you know. So I mean, yeah, it's exciting. Well, the, the, 
I had, thank you. I had a, an awesome team. So that's actually an idea, between uh, you know, the origin stuff. Like that's an idea that I had back in college. I had done a, um, I had this class called Art in the Digital Age, and we had to make a website. And I could never just do something like simple. So I had to come up with this whole big like story of penguins and possums fighting each other and it all being a secret. And I kind of just threw in everything that I loved, which was like those movies, Indiana Jones, like just like stuff that's like secrets that we don't know about, all this wacky stuff, right? And um, and then it kind of was dormant for a while. It was always kicking around in my head. And then I ended up teaming up with, um, I happened to be sitting next to this guy at a job and he was into all the same stuff. You know, he was into movies, he was into drawing and comics and all that stuff. And we started just talking about it. I showed him the drawings that I had done for Penguins vs. Possums. We started doing like a little web comic post-it note thing. And then I got a table at Long Beach Comic Con and was just like, oh, I'll just take my portfolio. But I invited him. And he was like, dude, I got nothing to show, but like, what if, what if we do a comic? So we just did the comic. We self-published it, the first four issues. We brought that comic out there. And then his um, his wife also was involved. So like the three of us wrote it together, those eight issues. We wrote them together. He and I illustrated them. I led them. He did the great scale. Like it was a lot of work, but it was super fun. And that was, that was the first time that I got to be on the other side of the comic book table. You know, like I grew up in the Bay Area going to WonderCon yeah. comic book convention and like to actually be sitting on the other side was like a dream come true, you know, my little 12 year old dream come true. <laughs> well, let me ask you about that. I mean, and I'm definitely going to check it out, you know, Penguins versus Possums. I'm, at, I'm just going to get my hands on it because I really love that shit. I love just, I love the idea. It's, it's, it's cool. And I've always had this fascination with like packs of animals. You always get that conversation like, like, man, like a pack of raccoons can take on a you know what if what if you know yeah. like i was and it's funny how you know how they have like a pack of crows it's called a murder you know like a bunch of crows is yeah. called a murder of crows and like i don't yeah. know what they call a gaggle of geese i don't know what they call like yeah. packs of possums or packs of uh of penguins <laughs> i'm sure you have you know more than me but you know like, you gotta read the book i gotta read the book i guess i gotta read the book i gotta <laughs> read the book but check it out guys you know possums versus penguins or penguins versus possums is it the other way around? Penguins versus possum. Penguins versus possum. Penguins versus possum. Definitely, definitely check that out. You know, get up online for that. But you mentioned conventions, right? And uh, yeah. you know, with things happening nowadays, everything's digital. But you've been you've been going to shows. You've been promoting your stuff, of course. I mean, how have you been seeing representation at shows? You know, what's the thing? I know you're on the West Coast. Uh, have you been visiting other states? I mean, touring with your stuff. How is your presentation at, at conventions? Do you have anything coming up that you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I love. I mean, sadly, because of COVID, I haven't been to a convention for a while. But I, um, I love conventions, man. Like I, it's so much fun. I'm usually on some panels or whatever. Uh, a lot of times with Javier or Frederick Lusaltama. Yeah. Um, but um. Or Henry, I know you had Henry on yeah, Henry, yeah. but I have. Um, um, but yeah, so I and I found a really awesome community, uh, Latinx community, through doing through primarily through doing Quince, but through doing these panels and 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 going to these conventions. It's been really awesome. Um, I I think that so I've really only done like California, and then we went to Vegas. I don't. I haven't really gone beyond that in terms of like conventions i'd love to i'd love to venture out more but if they want to like invite me out there we actually got invited to denver but i couldn't go but 
Um, Texas anyway, Latino yeah, Comic-Con, I'd, I'd like man. to go out The more. Texas Latino Comic Con is dope. I'm, I'm a, I'm a oh, bug. Oh yeah, you're. In, yeah. I'm a bug. I'm a bug Hector and be like, hey man, we got Mesoamericon. <laughs> we have Texas Latino Comic Con. Uh, I don't know. I'm a bug Hector about it. So we'll see. All right. Cool. Cool. Definitely. You know what's crazy? I, was, I lived in Dallas for like three years. Oh. Um, but none of those conventions existed back then. Yeah, man. So. It's tw- <laughs> things are changing over here. We're 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 making moves out of Texas, you know. And you know what's coming up here the next week? I know we have something coming up. I got a, a yeah an update here that you're going to be on a panel. Yeah, I'm going to be on a panel with um, which is a superhero Latinx superhero panel. Um, and it's got some amazing uh, superhero creators and, and uh, contributors on the panel as well. Frederick Luis Aldama. Um, it, it's I'm really excited for it. It's for San Diego Comic Con, so I, I should yeah. have led with that. But like Definitely. because of <laughs> because of COVID, obviously um, all the conventions are going like online. Um, so that's coming I out, the, I believe, um, next week. I have the blurb here for you. So uh, Frederick oh, thank Luis Aldama, you. of course, man, I'm saving you here. Uh, Professor Latinx sent me the link. He's talking about that this is coming on July 23rd. It'll be from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, it's called The Impact of Universality of Superheroes. And so it's going yeah. to, let's see here, let me give you a brief little thing we're going to have. Uh, it's going to be led by Barbara Dillon, editor-in-chief of Fanbase Press. She'll be there. Uh, we have, of course, Frederick Luis Aldama, uh, Teresa, Dr. Teresa Rojas, uh, Peter Murrieta, and Sebastian, aka Bash Kadlicic. Uh <laughs> you're gonna be on that panel as well. So that's gonna be again uh six PM, seven PM San Diego Comic Con and you can just uh looks like they have a YouTube channel set up for that. So just look up San Diego Comic Con at home. It's gonna be July twenty third, six PM to seven PM. Definitely I will be there. I will check it out and I hope awesome. that everybody Thank can you. jump on and watch the, the conversation there, see where we go from there because I mean, the superhero, like we talked about today, can be a penguin, can be a possum, can be a quinceañera, can be a quinceañero. You never know, man. Quince too. Electric Boogaloo. That's the sequel. You never know, man. The sequel. <laughs> hey, man. 2020 yeah. representation, man. Women don't matter, right? So yeah. <laughs> I think that it's a great topic, especially with the panel you have there. You have a lot of uh, knowledge when it comes to pop culture, creativity, Latinx, to, to bring to that man, conversation. Man, I'm always so... I'm always so like humbled and honored to be on a panel with the, that crew. Like anybody from that from that panel, there are they've actually also um, contributed to the hardcover as well. Every one of yeah. them. Um, Peter did one of the forewords. Teresa did the study guide. Frederick did a um, educational essay. So, um, but yeah, even as, you know, aside from that, like they're all just so smart and have so much to. I learn every time I hear them talk. So I'm always really thrilled to to share some time with them. I'm glad that we have the ability now because I think it's a Hector touched on it back last week. If you haven't heard, listen to our show every week, Spotify, iTunes, <laughs> you know, but he mentioned that when these times come, you know, these conventions, you know, he is working on a way, you know, we don't know the details yet about Texas Latino Comic Con. You know, the, I know something's yeah. happening, but there will be something. But the fact that it's something that especially San Diego Comic Con was very like, a fucking bridge too far like i'm never gonna go to San Diego comic con you know what i mean it's impossible to go mm. pretty much right unless you just raffle it's a raffle for tickets and expensive and all this and that but this covid hitting 
allowed it now to where I can go to Comic Con mm-hmm. by looking at a panel. I can yeah. do it online. I can watch. It. I don't have to wait. I can be like everybody else and find out at the same time and experience it at the in my leisure. So in a way, I'll say that it's great because we have access to you, to you know these great, 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 great minds, you know, within the the pop culture, comic culture, if you would, on a panel. But it opens it up to where my kid can jump on and watch. 10 years old, mm-hmm. you know, and watch. Because that's, yeah. believe it or not, I mean, I don't know, I have this question, you know, we're getting close to our time here, but, you know, I wanted to touch on it because you've been creating for a while, you know, the way you grew up with mm-hmm. your family, things like that. I mean, my question is this. When you create this yeah. book, you know, you talked about that you created Quince for, you know, this, you had a genuine passion for your, you know, your nieces mm-hmm. running around, you know being a superhero having some kind of identification with the with the hero but do you feel that as a latino creator we'll go there right because i always kind of define the line there's a line there's a line between Mm -hmm. hey i'm a comic book artist period but you're also latino you gotta look at that side Mm -hmm. you gotta go as a latino creator i mean do you see yourself now more so after quinces because i consider that a success man you know it's been great has, is there something else coming down the line that is going to lean more towards the Latinx side that you can say, you know what? I have more stories to tell. I have a story of a young yeah. bash growing up this way. Mm-hmm. I have stories of, you know, my wife and her upbringing, you know, like, cause that's what we pull from. Mm-hmm. Right. Do yeah. you see yourself as a Latino creator? I don't want to say that it's pressured to or pushed to, but maybe are asked are you being asked or are you kind of debating to start writing more that route towards the latinx community or are you sticking more to what comes to you like for example not to diminish it but you know possum versus penguins that kind of more like actiony more fun more off to the right if you would what do you say to that yeah uh that's a good question um i will always write the stuff that's really uh that i'm really passionate about you know whatever that may be but as we talked about earlier, like who you are definitely is a lens through which you see the world, right? So like in something as crazy and silly as penguins versus possums, I still, when there was a human, I was like, okay, well, she's Latina. Like I take whatever opportunity I can to put positive representation out there. Um, so no matter what I'm working on, there's going to be, that's going to be a part of it. At least that's how, that's what I see moving forward. Um, I think there is, you know, I think there's a responsibility and I think, you know, I don't want to be paralyzed by it or whatever, but I think there is a, there is a a certain responsibility there. There's certainly people that ask, but that's something that I am passionate about. And and again, that's, that's sort of my lens, right? So um, stuff kind of gets filtered through that anyway. Um, And all the stuff that I write usually has some, has that in there. Because like you said, you pull from what you know. So um, there's stuff that I'm working on now that is certainly in that in that arena you know and um i also am like you know i'm also a screenwriter and i'm working more towards projects that are in that realm as well um i finally found a a way um but like that stuff is that's that's awesome yeah and that that stuff that I'm working on in that in that area is is Latinx based as well, you know, or it lives in that world. Um, but yeah, I want to always just write stuff that I'm passionate about. I'd love to do some more to to eventually get to some stuff that 
you know, would maybe speak to my son, speak to, you know, my wife's experience, you know, et cetera. Um, right now I'm kind of pulling from, from my own experiences and, and really just trying to put authentic stories and representation out there. And, and that's whatever, whatever form that takes. I mean, if it's a, if it's an action hero or if it's a zany comedy or whatever it is, you know, that's, that's what I'm, uh, whatever I'm excited about is what I'll be working on. Man, I'm glad to hear it because like you said, there is a responsibility there. If you're creating, create from life, right? Like, mm. hey, man, you know what? I'm not the only Latino kid that grew up with Zach Morris as a hero. You know, it is what it is, right? But, you know, yeah. who knows? I'm going to write my story, and if someone loves it, great. Maybe somebody will identify it. I'd love that. But I think that the yeah. way you wrote this book, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the credit for writing as well. I mean, Kit, of course, did her work, but you laid the groundwork. You know, you're a creator of it. You got to give yourself more credit for it than what you do, honestly. I really... I do believe that, um, you know, it's our first meeting well, I, today. So I don't, I mean, you know, Hey, I hope this blossoms into a friendship, but man, I can sit here and just tell you, you, you know, Hey, you know, Hey, good job. Have a great day. But I really believe that, you know, when your, your story came from somewhere genuine, came from a heart, you know, and, uh, I appreciate that you do have that, um, and understand the responsibility and you do carry that. We don't want to ever want to burden anybody. Uh, the culture itself lends itself to so much. It's so rich, right? There's always something mm -hmm. to talk about, Absolutely. some story to tell. So, I mean, winding down here at the end, you know, we always want to yeah. try to just, of course, first, just thank you. Thank you for coming here, taking oh, your time, you. man. I know you have, you know, you got your family. I got mine, too, knocking on the door over here. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. I, I want to always try to give. Well, no, man, thank you for taking the time. Appreciate no, it. I want to give you a moment, you know, to just, you know, say, you know, some closing words. You know, we always have. There's people that listen to this show that maybe are looking at creating their own work, uh, struggling with writing, creating, what have you. You know, you have a hand in not only that, you know, drawing, but screenwriting, writing. You said you talked to some acting as well. But just in general, you mm -hmm. know, just give some kind of piece of advice, somebody out there trying to get a little bit of motivation, just something to keep them moving forward. You know, I would love for you to just drop a couple uh, nuggets of uh, gold there for us and, uh, and sure. close it up for us tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I would say do do the thing like uh, don't it doesn't need to be perfect the first time I especially talking to writers like it doesn't need to be perfect when you first put words on the page that like you have the opportunity to continually refine it um, but I think a lot of times people get paralyzed because they're like well they want it to be perfect but they have an idea of what that perfection is and I would say like don't let that stop you from creating whatever is on your heart create what's on your heart be honest and authentic about that um, but if you're passionate about something start working on it and you have the time you don't need to show anybody until you're ready to show people but you'll feel better getting those stories that are rattling around in your brain or rattling around in your heart out and in some form starting to take shape I guarantee you, you'll feel better about that and and yeah just let it let it take as long as it takes but you know hold yourself to some some, uh, I've always found that deadlines are, are helpful more than harmful, um, at least to just start making progress. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's sort of practical advice, but definitely I'd say, you know, whatever. This, this is something that works for me, too, is, like, sometimes you get kind of, what project am I going to work on? I got a lot of stuff kind of rattling around. Like, I, I don't know what to focus on or whatever. Um, or maybe you need to work on a certain thing because it's going to pay the bills right now. But I think those stories that kind of keep tugging at you, and that's the way Gimsa was, and even honestly the way Penguin's Apostles was, but like those stories that just keep tugging on you, demanding to be told, 
But those are the stories that you're going to probably have the most satisfaction from telling. And those are the stories that most likely need to be told. So go for those. Nice, man. Thank you, Sebastian. Definitely, guys, go check out, again, quincecomic.com. And, of course, uh, we want to thank, uh, you know, Fanbase Press for providing the book for us. You know, check them out as well, fan, fanbasepress.com. They have tons of stuff you can check out as well. Uh, Sebastian, go ahead and give us, uh, you know, your Twitter, you know, something that people can follow you just to make sure we can keep up with your work. Yeah, I'm on, uh, and everybody's welcome to, you know, you talked about, like, questions or anything like that, please hit me up. I'm always trying to be as available as possible. I actually have a, like, Zoom with somebody that just want to talk about stuff in a couple of days. So I'm always, um, I try and, you know, schedule permitting, be open to that stuff. So you can find me on, on Instagram under Sebastian Artist. You can find me on Twitter, although I don't do that much on Twitter, but you can find me there just to kind of make a connection. Uh, it's SMK. A D D Y, um, and then I'm pretty sure I'm the only person with my name <laughs> on <laughs> Facebook. So go ahead and find me there. All right, no, definitely. Uh, you know, Sebastian, want to thank you again, man, uh, for, for your time. Primos, as always, you know, just know that we're here week to week. Uh, you know, let us know what you think. You know, Sebastian, here. You know, I'm sure this is not the uh, the last time we'll talk. I'm pretty confident that we'll be back and enjoy more conversations. Uh, let us know uh, what questions you have for Sebastian. We'll get them to him. But just follow us, guys. Thank you for listening. And as always, thank you.